right, hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of A Writer's Rambling. I am in the process of getting set up a little bit, so you might hear a bunch of little noises in the background and stuff like that, because I am trying to get set up. I started recording prior to getting set up, and I probably should have done it the other way around, but fuck it. Today's episode specifically is going to be about, um, well, it's not really a specific phrase that I can use to title this episode, but today's episode is going to be about, um, uh, not really references, but inspiration. Okay, inspiration or IRL inspiration. That's what we're going to call it. IRL inspiration. So what that basically means is that in the storytelling and other random things like that, I'm going to be using inspiration from real things in the world. You know, whether it be from uh, historic events, fashion, or uh, uh, scientific things, or all kinds of random stuff like that. You know? With that in mind, all this stuff is going to be used in the story, or not really the story, but it's just going to be used in general to create, you know, different worlds and stuff like that. Now, many audience members would be... Now, some people, of course, as I said, in a previous episode, I told you guys that if you want to create a story, I would tell you, put anything that you want. Put stuff that you're interested in. So if you're interested in fashion, put fashion. If you're interested in history, put history. You know? But at the same time, that same statement might not be so easy to somebody who knows a lot about, for example, um, chemistry or something, you know? That's not really going to be something super, super easy for somebody to create a TV show or a movie or whatever the hell if they mainly know just stuff about chemistry or if they mainly just know about stuff about food or just other random subjects that might not be such an easy concept or as easily um, possible to make a TV show out of. A zoologist could easily make a TV show simply because you know a lot about animals and you can easily make many different TV shows and have access to all these different kinds of characters that you can make. The possibilities are endless and they're really easy and easy ideas to flow with certain things like that. But if you're a chemist and you're trying to add chemical stuff like that and you know chemical reactions and stuff and make a TV show or a story out of it, it's a little difficult because it's not as... So, uh, it's not as um, want to say easy but it's um it's some word that basically means it doesn't come to you as easily or something i don't really know maybe it's just a phrase but i don't really know i just took a sip for my drink and i probably should have um waited i'm not waited but i probably should have put my noise thingy on first i just realized that (laughs) so um the audience of course or you oh we're getting right into it by the way sorry but yeah that's of course what our episode is going to be about all right and that's of course actually no no fuck that we're gonna this is our intro because i haven't done an intro in a little bit so this is gonna be our intro and then i'll start off in the next bit okay all right what do you oh okay fine Anyway, yes, I'm starting the episode, and Vitorki is here. He just handed me the uh, switch. There we go. Well, here, take it. All right, my brother just handed me the switch to save it and stuff like that, because my brother didn't want... Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. All right, what game are you going to play? Exactly. Sorry, what do you think?
anyway so my brother was gonna go play a game on the switch but my game is inside of the switch that's why i was just like oh my god anyway moving on or uh, not moving on uh to start our episode like i originally said in my example i used chemistry as an example of something that would be really really difficult and used zoology as an example of something that would be really really easy okay the reason I mentioned that is because in a different episode, I, uh, I told you to create your own stories and put things that you're interested in. Though, I have to admit that certain topics are not really going to be super easy for you to add into your stories and stuff like that, depending on what those topics are. However, one thing that I could say to like sort of make you feel better, or maybe this might make you feel better, is the idea that Rebecca Sugar created a TV show about gemstones, about rocks. Like... I'm sorry, that's what? It's such a wild idea, and how she did it was able to create, to make it into a whole thing, where now I can't possibly look at an amethyst and not immediately just hear it screaming about its sandwich that it fell. Uh, You know, I can't possibly see, um, you know, these different kinds of things and immediately not think about these certain things. I will always uh, associate, I will always associate a a, a sugalite with, um, uh, Barbie things. I will always associate, uh, uh, associate. God damn, that's the second time. I will always associate that with that. Whoa. Why you'd use that cat rather than any of the main ones like Duchess or use it like Duchess or uh, O'Malley. I don't know. You're using some random side character that I can bear. Not even the black one. Like if you're going to use a side character cat instead of Duchess and O'Malley and any of the kids, then at least use the black one. At least him or um, uh, the one fucking... Like, uh, it was like a hippie cat. Or not really a hippie cat, but he had long hair, blonde, and he had sunglasses. At least use one of those two. At least. The other three, it, uh, uh, I think there's three. Or the other two or three, eh, they're not really all that memorable. Except one for being racist and the other one for being boring. <laughs> like, I can't remember anything for them. Oh, wait, no, there were three because there was this big guy. And he practically had the most boring design out of all of them. Like, he didn't have anything special going on with him. So it was him, like, why? I don't get it. But case in point. Uh, Not really case in point, but just moving on back to our thing. In animation and stuff like that, or just any kind of storytelling and stuff, you can add whatever the fuck that you want. Especially the thing that you're interested in. But, like I said, if Rebecca Sugar can create a TV show about gemstones, it's such a wild idea, especially with how she did it. And one way I could probably see it being done prior to her is educational purposes, okay? Anything can be brought to life and you can make these things a character or something like that if you're doing it for educational purposes, okay? For example, let's imagine that you're a chemist. 
you like different chemicals and you like different materials and different things on the what was it the uh, the element peri- the uh, the periodic table okay you like all these different kinds of materials that are on the periodic table so of course you have cobalt and bismuth and all these other stuff yeah you got all these different elements however one person would then question okay so if you're going to create all these different characters and stuff like that what would you then do Okay, how would you create a story like that? How would you create a story with any of these characters and make them a whole thing? You know, many people would say that's very, very difficult. Though, if you're doing it for care, uh, for educational purposes, it's very fucking easy because all you're doing is creating a brand, uh, a random fucking design. Because in educational videos and stuff like that, the character design in educational videos is usually lazy as fuck, and it's usually unbelievably cringy and weird and. Eh. I always hate educational animation. Educational animation is usually a huge waste of time. Unless it's like 3D animation or random things like that. If you're explaining how certain works, fine. If you're, but please stop that weird thing where... Because it's very Jurassic Park, for those of you who don't know. Those educational videos that usually will take certain concepts and then bring them to life using animation and characters and stuff, usually they'll do it with certain concepts and stuff like that and treat it very Jurassic Park, Mr. DNA, you know? It's very that. And I've seen that many different times and every time I always thought, wow, this is shit. Like, oh my God. I always hated it every fucking time because it was, ew, ew. Like, oh my God, why would anybody watch this? Like, even if this is the only way to learn about this thing, I still wouldn't watch it. I could be totally interested in the subject. I have been totally interested in the subject. And I still don't give a fuck. Why am I watching this? Why are you making us watch this? If anything, I'm just... Ha- this video is supposed to stop and take... Uh, oh, this video is supposed to so- uh, to answer some of my questions, right? But no, it's not. It's going to make me filled with more questions. Why did people pay money to make this? Why are people watching this? Who thought this was a good idea? Why is this lady making us watch this? Am I supposed to be taking notes? I'm not about to be taking notes. This lady better not think I'm not taking notes. Like, for real, all these different thoughts and comments just pop up in my own head as I'm watching these stupid fucking videos. And that's usually the most common form of animation or character storytelling, whatever the hell, that you're going to find in more complicated subjects. Subjects that are a little bit more difficult to find them or to create a story, a story, or a world with, you know? So personally, Rebecca Sugar did a great job creating her own world with gems, but personally, I think the only way that that would have ever happened besides her way of doing it would be educational thingy. You know, it would be an educational thingy with, uh, a, I don't know, a diamond. And the funny, like I said, their character design is the shittiest character designs ever. Like, oh my God, it's usually the shittiest character designs ever. Okay, so with um with the character designs and stuff like that, it would literally just be a diamond with two stick figure legs, two googly eye eyes, and a mouth, and two stick figure uh, uh, arms and stuff. That's literally it. And there's nothing really wrong with having these kind of designs and stuff like that, but usually it's always like, ill, ill. Like, why is that a thing? I don't get it. Okay, why can't you bring Mr. Diamond and make it like an actual character character kind of thing, you know? And the reason, because one, you guys don't have enough money, it's a shitty animation, very cheaply made, and you're not going to spend enough time and money to get these people to design new characters and stuff like that. And yeah, it, it, it just sucks. All these fucking things suck. 
They always frustrate the shit out of me, and they always annoy the shit out of me. That's why shit like that, it just drives me insane, and I just, ugh. But as I said, try to use whatever that you can to create and use it into creating your own stories and stuff like that. And use inspiration from real life actions and real life things or just anything IRL, you know? Whether it be fantasy IRL or random concepts or random things like that. Game of Thrones was created based off of um, actual true events that happened. Not real dragons and stuff. But they're based off of the a specific royal family with all the scandals and all the crap that they were doing behind each other's backs as all of them were trying to become the leader and whatever you know everybody was lying to each other everybody was uh, going behind each other's backs and all this extra stuff so yes uh, game of thrones was based off of something irl and of course with a little few tweaks and stuff like that and a good uh, writing staff bam you have uh, this amazing show that literally took the world by storm like literally everybody fucking watched a uh, game of thrones okay like jesus fucking christ everybody watched that show and everybody would never shut up about that damn show like oh my god like they remind you so much about the show that at this point i associate like for example shangela never shut the fuck up about like, game of thrones I love Shangela, I really do, but she would not stop talking about Game of Thrones. Like, we get it. Like, oh my god, you talk, you say Game of Thrones more often than you say Hallelujah, and that's the funny thing about it. Now, you're iconic free, like, if I, ooh, like, if I, if I could ever, like, do a thing, a bit, or something like that, where I could have Shangela in the show, or in my own story, or something like that, I would have the character de- uh, show up and be like, Game of Thrones! I'll be like, Lisi or something, I just randomly talking. It, it can literally be voiced by Shangela. I am, it is illegal for that character to ever say the word hallelujah. Solely because, or any kind of come out the box, any kind of thing like that. Any kind of rec- uh, recognition or anything like that, because this bitch would not shut the fuck up about Game of Thrones. Okay? You know how every drag queen kind of has something that's kind of iconic to their character and stuff like that. Monique Hart has dra- uh, brown cow stunning. You know, like all these different kind of shit. Monique has sponges. Bob has purses. All these different kinds of shit. But with Shangela, she would not shut up. Like, I love her. I just never saw Game of Thrones. And I don't intend to see Game of Thrones. So it was like, oh my god. What the hell? Why won't you shut up? You're on Drag Race. Why are you talking about this other show? Shit! Like, oh my god. It's just so... It's stuff like that. that just, oh my god. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Back to, um... Uh, storytelling and stuff. Like I said, using different real-world shit. You know? I am interested in lots of different things. And I applied them all into my story. I'm a huge nerd for history. And history is a really easy one to do. It's unbelievably easy to do history. Because history associates with mythology. And mythology is practically just storytelling. Okay, so literally, history and mythology really, really work well together. And they're also really good and easy to use in storytelling. You know? We love Hercules. That's mythology. And of course, we associate uh, Hercules or the Disney movie of Hercules. They incorporated a couple of things that were also historic at the time. You know? Making the city of Thebes the city making it basically New York, kinda. You know, referencing modern day jokes using the city of thieves and also using other kinds of random things like that as references to their story and other, uh, uh, and historical things as well, you know? That's another part of it. Um, let's think about a different Disney film. 
anymore. Not really a Disney, a different... Oh, okay, let's think about Studio Ghibli. In a couple of Studio Ghibli movies, the movies reference uh, uh, different things about World War II, specifically Porco Rosso. In Porco Rosso, Porco is one of the... Or, uh... What, what was it? Porco, was it? I don't think his name was Porco. But whatever. He basically... The character in question was actually one of the best um, aerial fighter pilot whatever's ever. You know, he was an amazing pilot that used his guns on his uh, on his plane to be able to hunt down and, ba- uh, and basically save people and be a bounty hunter and all this other stuff like that. Hunting uh, uh, pi- uh, sea pil- uh, pirates and stuff. Or air pilots or... Uh, plane pirates, whatever the fuck they are. Sky pirates? I don't really know. But yeah, it's those kind of things that was like, oh my god, you know? Now with that in mind, this whole idea of like, different pirates and all this other shit, all of that in mind, that's of course what makes it a whole thing, you know? The audience of course is like, amazed at the story and all this other stuff, because it really has nothing really to do with IRL, it's all just its own thing. But at the same time, though, it references World War II. Referencing that Porco is going to Italy, but he's a wanted fugitive in Italy because his plane was originally made and technically is owned by the Italian government. And Porco, who doesn't live in Italy, of course can't enter the country because if he he does, his plane will be confiscated and he'll be arrested because, you know, Nazi regime. You know, so of course he can't go there, but he has to go there anyway because the person who made the plane still lives there, you know? Now with that in mind, that's of course, you know, one of the big conflicts of the movie and stuff. And the audience, of course, is, you know, it's referencing real things that happened. So of course, history and mythology are really easy to incorporate in storytelling. Really, really easy. And because of how much stuff that there is in history, I'm surprised... Uh, there's lots of different things that are, of course, you know, popular. You know, like, oh, it's not really all that creative if you do something about Cleopatra. If you put Cleopatra in your story, don't expect a gold star from me. I'm not about to give you a gold star because you have a, you did a whole thing about Cleopatra. I'm sorry. Okay? Especially if you're not even using her as the main focus of your whole movie. Like, Mr. Peabody and uh, Sherman and Mr. Peabody, I'm sorry. You're not about to get, um, I don't even think they had Cleopatra, honestly. I don't even think he, uh, she was in that movie, but whatever. Uh, it was King Tut. Uh, yeah, it was King Tut. You're not about to get a gold star from me. You're really not. Because what the fuck is this? I'm sorry. You didn't, fo- the movie isn't about him. It's about you two. And this is the bullshit thing. I'm sorry. It's bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm not going to mince my word. It's bullshit. Okay, it's bullshit. Why are you bringing this character in? Um, if you're gonna do, if I, if you want to do a story about King Tide or Cleopatra or anything like that, that's fine. Do it, but don't do it like uh, like Johnny Test. Um, practically every fucking show that has anything related to time travel, because somehow magically the time travel machine that they make in the episode somehow magically teleports from not only in time but also location. So it travels from the spot that it's in. To, uh, uh, to Egypt in the exact spot that Cleopatra was teleports her back to the modern day and now you gotta go find Cleopatra and bring her back and put her back where she came from otherwise the world will end and stuff like that because somebody made a time machine that they made it's just the same plot it's been done so many different times with so many different shows and so many different circumstances which makes it don't do uh, which makes it boring it's boring and agitating so if you're going to do something like that 
go all the way. Make a full... Cleopatra is the baddest bitch. She conquered the universe or something. Do a thing like that or something, you know? Do an actual biography about her life. Or just, I don't know, do something interesting. Do something different. Where Cleopatra is not seen as like this one single thing for like a couple of minutes or something like that. And then that's it. Only for the joke of like the, the pandemonium of how time travel works. Or... And in Cleopatra's case, and this only applies to her specifically, don't use her as like some sexual character, her this promiscuous character that manipulated and did all this other stuff and used, you know, just use sex as a way to get what she wants, you know? Because that, no. Okay, that's not what happened. And don't, and please, if you're gonna do Cleopatra, don't make this character, or it's a character basically. But don't make your character of Cleopatra do the same mistakes and other random crap that you learn from other random TV shows. Okay? Like, once again, this is another thing, a different person, with Napoleon. Napoleon was not short. So why do I keep seeing Napoleon being dumb short? Why? Why do I keep seeing that? Okay? It's fact that he's not short. He was actually kind of average height or kind of tall for at his time. But even if he was here today, he's pretty average. So why do I keep seeing him short? Why? Why do I keep seeing it? Okay, what? 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 I don't see an excuse. What the fuck is the thing? Why do we keep seeing the same bullshit? Stuff that's new. Fucking minions. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I could, I could let it slide with things like Tom and Jerry or Scooby-Doo or any other thing like that. Older animation, fine. I could let it slide. I can let it slide. But certain things like the minions, are you kidding me? This is way, you're, I'm sorry, but you're way too ahead of time and stuff like that. Like, you literally have access to all this information and all this history, okay? You can literally Google how tall Napoleon was, okay? But you're not going to Google it. Why? Because you're going to put him as short. You know that he's short. You know, you don't know how short he is, but you know that he's short, and another thing that also bugs me, though they can kind of get away with it because it is their specific style of animation and stuff like that, they gave him the biggest head and the smallest body. Of course, eh. Again, it's something that like, okay, yay, you guys literally just made him short and gave him these weird proportions to emphasize the fact that he's short as fuck. Yet he wasn't short and you obviously don't know anything about this character or really know anything about him specifically. Which, again, it's bullshit. I always hate that. I hate it when people just do this thing and it's like, you know, that's not really what. Unless you're doing it on purpose. If you're doing it on purpose, you know, like you're actively doing this whole thing on purpose and stuff like that, then it's like, oh my God. But still, it, 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 that shit just pisses me off. And another thing that's also I would like audience members to take into account is the idea of alternate universes. That is something that I also really would like audience members to think about. Because this ain't new. Okay? Alternate AUs. We call them AUs. Alternate universes. Okay? Now that is basically sort of... I don't want to say Tumblr slang, but kind of Tumblr slang. More fan fiction stuff. But an AU basically means alternate universe. It's easier to explain alternate universes and AUs now. Mainly because of What If and Marvel. (laughs) Marvel really made it easier for me to explain it to other people. But yes... An AU basically means alternate universe, and basically what that means 
is it's a story usually in fan fiction terms it's a free uh, it's a fan fiction or a fictional story created by a fan of the series in question with a little few changes they're changing it into this alternate universe where what if this happened instead of this okay many different tv shows have what uh, alternate au's and stuff like that and fan fictions and all kinds of stuff like that because you know that's where people would go to see representation or see the things that they wanted to see that they didn't get to see happy endings for characters that did not get a happy ending in the series <coughs> jet um <laughs> or romantic relationships that we wish that we could have seen in the stories and stuff that we think that could have been a much better person uh, a pairing than the actual pairing that we get in the show <coughs> jetco um uh <laughs> And, of course, the idea of seeing all kinds of different outcomes that will be like, oh, wow, why is it that we couldn't see this kind of thing? Or, I think this actually would have been more likely, or this. Or even this idea would be a lot more interesting than this, you know? So, all these different ideas and different things like that could so be available to others. And some people would really sit there, well, most people would argue that AUs are a new thing. They've only been created during the internet thing. But that's not actually true. And this may surprise some of you, or practically all of you, actually. The reason it's not true is because we have uh, writers like Virginia Woolf. Virginia Woolf is a woman who wrote a story about um, Edgar Allan... Oh, no, 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 not Edgar. I don't know why I said him. <laughs> uh, Virginia Woolf wrote books about um, Shakespeare. But not Shakespeare himself, but rather she wrote books about a fictional sister that Shakespeare had. Okay, Shakespeare didn't have a sister, but she wrote a book about the idea of what if Shakespeare did have a sister and she was just as good as a writer as he was and just as good as a storyteller and all that stuff. What would her life be like compared to his life? And in her book, she wrote about the, uh, the life of Shakespeare's sister and wrote about the harsh realities that it doesn't matter if she's as good as a writer as him or even a better writer than him. The fact is, no one will read her shit. No one will read it. No one will care. She will be left in the background while her brother gets all this fame and everything because she can do everything that he can do and better, but it's the fact that she's a woman in this kind of society. So for that reason exactly, it's not going to work out. Now technically, I'm basically not summarizing it because I don't know, I didn't read it, but I am aware of that book. And technically, there's a lot more shit that happens in that book that actually uh, I didn't even mention. But still, that, of course, is a great example of the idea of an AU. This book was made hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And you mean to tell me that this person created this book? That's an AU. That's an AU. That's a what if. That's literally a what if episode. What if uh, Shakespeare had a sister that was just as good as the writer as him? And then she wrote that book. That's literally it. So, of course, if you want to create your own stories and stuff like that, do the same thing. Do the same thing. Make your own what-ifs about other random things that you're interested in. Okay? Hell, there's one artist that's actually getting popular on Webtoon. She was... I knew her. I didn't know her, know her. But I knew of that person. Because she made fan art of Tom Nook and Red from... uh, Or Jolly Red, specifically. Sorry. She made um, fan art of Tom Nook and Jolly Red from Animal Crossing. Specifically, she made fan art about the idea of Tom being... uh, I don't really know. He was a business worker or whatever. He owned his own company. 
and she did multiple comics and stuff like that. But Red was this thief, and they used to work together back in the day, but now he hates him. He seriously hates Red, like seriously hates him. And, you know, Red wants to try to, like, fix their relationship and all this other stuff. It was a cute idea. It was a very cute idea. She didn't draw them, or kind of, she kind of did draw them as animals, but she put them in human forms when she was doing this as a way to help audience or other audience members be able to better relate to the characters and humanize them a little bit more. Okay? Then, now, I'm pretty sure that she's making a whole comic and posting on Webtoon. And yes, these technically are the same characters, but she's changing everything and changing it up to, like, fit her own little narrative and fit all this other stuff, you know? The idea came from Animal Crossing. The inspiration was for Animal Crossing. Yet the outcome or the result is so different and so, oh my god, it's its own thing that it was like, oh my god, she changed everything to make its own thing, you know? And that's, of course, something I did with A Puppet's Life. Now, for those of you who don't know, I created a story called A Puppet's Life, which was a Pokemon-based AU. Okay? Um, technically, season one of A Puppet's Life was basically mostly filler or random adventure episodes and, you know, kind of world-building and stuff like that. And season one, uh, 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 season two, was supposed to be where the story actually begins. Okay? But the story itself was about a pangirl, a bayonet, and a cactus. The story, of course, is basically they live in a world where humans don't exist. And humans apparently did exist, but they went extinct millions of years ago. And then Pokemon came. So, of course, they live in all these cities. All the cities and all these locations that humans supposedly built are still there. But they're run, uh, but they're inhabited by Pokemon. You know? All of these structures and all this stuff is Pokemon. So, Castelia City, which the story takes place in, is overrun by Pokemon. Everybody's living their lives the same way that the humans did, but it's Pokemon living their lives. You know? Bayonet's father, or technically adopted father, Dusknor, adopted Bayonet when he was a ba- uh, just a shuppet. And, you know, his father owns a bakery. D- uh, Dusknor, tr- uh, no, uh, what was it? Trey, no, uh, no tray, uh, treats. Uh, uh, Trey uh, treats, or something like that. It was something like that. The Dusknor itself was a French Dusknor, because it was based off of French Dusknor I had. <laughs> In my Pokemon game, I have a Dusknor that has... Uh, that's original trainer was from France. So, uh, or some French-speaking country. It just mentions that it's French. So, yeah. <laughs> I just, I based the character, all my characters in that story were based off my actual Pokemon. Their stats, abilities, and other stuff like that. They're based off my Pokemon that I really liked. And, of course, also the Pokemon that I had. So, the Dustin Noir was that character. And, of course, it was also run by Dustin Noir's um, uh, sister, or a sister-in-law, basically. Um, not really a sister-in-law, but just a sister, which um, which is a Drifflimp. And then Bayonet, and they have this ghost-type uh, bakery or whatever. Okay, the story itself was... And I dropped the story. I dropped it. Anybody can take it, pick it up, whatever, do whatever the you want. I don't really care. I made it. And then I dropped it because it was really difficult finding references for the Pokemon. And then, even if I did find the references, I didn't have the time or I didn't really have the desire to keep referencing and trying to find different things because I wanted the story to mainly be filled with Pokemon that are not super common. There will be no Pikachu in this whole comic. Maybe you might see a picture of one on a wall or on a poster, but there's not going to be any Pikachus that are main characters in the whole thing because Pikachu is way too popular to be in this. Every background Pokemon is a Pokemon that's either forgotten or 
just not really paying attention to. Uh, one of the bartenders, uh, uh, well, there are very popular Pokemon like Blaziken. You know, the, the bartender in one of the comic things that I posted at the time was a Blaziken. It was a Blaziken bartender. But the owner of the bar was a Krikatoon. And some of the staff, or not really the staff, some of the people who were sitting, eating, and watching those shows at the bar was a Vicaroth. There was um, Lunatone, Sol- uh, Solis. There's multiple different Pokemon like that, you know? But the story basically was Baina and Pangaro are, well, you know, the story starts off, and I'm going to breeze through this as quickly as possible. The story starts off with Dustinor and Bayonet closing up shop. They're about to go home. Bayonet is going to go leave to go to a club, specifically because he has to go perform for some concert thingy with Pangaro. Dustinor is concerned, but of course tells Bayonet to come home by his time. And then when Bayonet tells him that he's going with uh, that him and Pangaro are going to be safe, Dustinor gets a little bit concerned because Pangaro has a bad habit or a bad luck. He's always in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he's, it's never really his fault, but the boy really doesn't know how to read a room. Okay? They go. Baynet goes, he sees some people, he passes by a mischievous who's singing, and three Loudred. Two of them regular, and one is shiny. The Loudred, of course, making beats, and they're singing the song, um, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Take Me Home? Carrying Home? It was something. I can't remember what it was. Often I'm upset that I cannot fall in love with me. It was something. Take you home. Wait, fuck. Mm. I can't remember what it was, but it was a very old comic that I did, and it was a song that both of them were singing. Uh, the, the mischievous itself was singing. Okay. That's that, first of all. The mischievous itself was singing the song. And as the story continues and stuff, the audience then sees the, the story continue. Or uh, not continue, but they end up making it to um, the bar. What was it? I'm, I've, I've, I got my comic here. I'm trying to find it. Oh, here it is. What is the song specifically? What is she singing? Cut My Hair by Cave Town. Or I think by featuring Cave Town, whatever. So yeah, cut my hair. That's what it was. So, Pangaro, uh, Baina ends up talking to them, whatever. They're going to perform right before Baina and Pangaro. Okay? Or, uh, uh, or they're going to perform right after them. Okay? So, of course, Baina gets into the bar. It's the little bar. It's technically the bar. is actually the cafe that you can find in uh, Pokemon Black and White 2. Specifically, the one for the Meloetta event. He goes into it and finds uh, and finds Pangro, who's getting into an argument with a Gothitel. After talking to him, whatever, they hang out for a little bit, and then they get on stage to perform "Give Me the Loot" with Pangro singing Biggie's part, and te- they're both Biggie, but Pangro is singing Biggie's part, and um, Bane is basically singing the high-pitched voice character guy that he's part of. Okay, as they're doing this whole thing, they uh, later they end up uh, in the locker room, whatever, and Krikatoon complains that. Uh, that Mischievous and the Loudred are not here. Of course, they're supposed to get on stage, so that basically means that they missed the show. They get outside, and they find that the Mischievous and the Loudred are being attacked by a bunch of Komo'o. The Komo'o are attacking them because they're members of, uh, of X-Attack. The X-Attackers, or people who are associated with X-Attack, are Pokemon bigots who believe that certain Pokemon are special or freaks because they are a little bit different than the majority. 
So any Pokemon that can mega evolve, any Pokemon that have special evolutionary ways or ways of evolution, and Pokemon who have multiple forms. Um, let me see. Pokemon who can change forms uh, uh, are usually, and not really that big of a target, but they also have a lot of stereotypes associated with it. Ultra Beasts are not really known to the public, but they would count. Legendaries are not viewed, though they would technically count, but they're not viewed in the same way. Shiny Pokemon are also viewed, uh, shiny Pokemon are constantly seen as members of, uh, you know, this thing. And any Pokemon who have very special ways of evolution. Okay, so Pokemon who have very special ways of evolution also makes it into a whole thing, you know? Whether it be like, uh, Ambipom, Porygon, Dusknoor, or Pangoro, any kind of special form of evolution makes it a thing that you're part of, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Unis, yeah, that's what it was. Uni is a derogatory name used to describe Pokemon who are different. So yeah, technically pseudo-legends also count. Pseudo-legends also count, but they don't really get it solely because pseudo-legends are eh, kind of a thing, but not really. But as I said, that's part of the X attack. So they're attacking them simply because one of the Loudred is shiny, and then Pangoro and Bayonet, and Kak- uh, Pangoro and Bayonet save them. After getting them saved, and then they call the police because one of the, uh, the Loudred is bleeding out. They call the police, they get arrested, and, you know, they get home. Dustinor is pissed the fuck off that uh, the Bayonet is late as fuck. And, of course, uh, the Pangoro's father, Detective Lucario, justifies and vouches for them, claiming that he, they saved the lives of three uh, Loudred and a mischievous. Whatever, the next day, since it's Bayonet and Pangoro's birthday later tomorrow, they get a gift. They get a gift, which is a, bayonet, a mega stone for Bayonet. And of course, Bayonet can now play basketball with Pangoro. So in the morning, they're playing basketball, and that's when Mischievous and the Loudred's parents show up. They show up and give them flowers and a book about ghost-type Pokemon. One of the, uh, the book basically has information on mega evolution, but it claims that uh, it doesn't know a lot about it. So Bayonet decides to go to the library. When he goes to the library, a random voice appears in his head that is telling him to find a specific book. When he gets to the book, he ends up finding out that the book actually has a bunch of information about humans and Pokemon living together and Mega Evolution can appear between the bond between a human and a Pokemon and all this other stuff. Bayonet assumes that this is actually a book in the, uh, the fiction section and that he should take it back there since this is actually the science section. When he gets there, uh, when he tries to get it to the librarian, they claim that the book isn't part of the library and that it's not actually theirs. And of course, Bayonet decides to keep it. The book, however, continues to claim that humans and Pokemon existed at the same time, yet Bane and Pangoro know that that's not true. Humans never existed at the same time as Pokemon. They went extinct millions of years ago. Okay? And some Pokemon don't even believe humans ever existed. But still, whatever. The book ends up uh, telling them that they should go to the uh, uh, Relic Castle. And of course, Bane and Pangoro are really, really concerned about it, but they decide to go anyway. Pangoro doesn't believe it and thinks that Bayonet's being creepy, but whatever. They go anyway. While heading there, they end up finding their old friend Cacturn sleeping in the desert, just standing there. They end up seeing him, but originally they thought that he was a Cacnea. They got there, and Cacnea is basically, or Cacturn is basically part of the B, the Nomadic Battler program. Okay, the Nomadic Battler program, and sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, the rest of the segment is basically going to be just this. But yeah, the Nomadic Battler program basically is Pokemon trainers, kind of. 
traveling all over different regions and battling against each other for money and then becoming the champion. It's basically that. But instead of trainers, it's just you. Cacturn is a big name in the battler program. Of course, you know, he's a big guy. or He's not a big guy, but he's known, kind of. But the time that he left, that was over four years ago. He left four years ago and he was a Cacnea. And they didn't even know that he could evolve. They've never, you know, they've never seen another Cacnea or a Cacturn in the city before. So they're standing in front of this Cacturn talking about him like, is that Cac... He looks like Cacnea. I didn't know Cacnea could evolve. Why didn't he ever evolve with us? We offered him to train with us at the at the Evolutions uh, gym. The Evolutions gym or the company Evolutions is a special company that actually plays a part in the story. It's a company that it's owned by an Eevee who basically has a monopoly on evolutionary stones and evolutionary practices. The NBP, uh, uh, the NBP also works with them. So you can technically go to an NBP arena and they have a store where you can buy uh, evolutionary stones and they also have a gym not only for the members of the program but also for people who just want to evolve, you know? So of course, Baina and, pa- uh, Baina and Pangaro both went into this program when they were just a Shepa and a Pacham. Of course, they were able to train and become their own thing and evolve. Cacnea joined, but he didn't join the evolution program. He joined just for fighting techniques and random things like that. And then four years ago, he left the town to travel the world to be a battler. You know? The Cacturn ends up knocking them down. They then realize that, oh shit, you're our Cacturn. Holy shit. And of course, they're just like, oh my god, that's the whole fucking thing. They decide to join and they go to the Relic Castle. There they find a Metagross, a Gardevoir, and a, uh, and a Darmanitan. Or a Metagross, not a, a Gardevoir, a Metagross, a Volcarona, and a Darmanitan. The Metagross is the voice that's been talking to them. And he claims that the, uh, the, uh, the uh, he claims that he is the, uh, the, you know, that they three are the special three that, um, that they knew were going to be helpful to the world or whatever. Some destiny shit. Okay, they knew about it once he sensed Cacturn's presence. Once he sensed that Cacturn was finally back, immediately he knew that it was time. So, of course, he did it. He's the one that basically um, used the magical powers and stuff like that to do uh, to set things in motion and stuff like that. So, apparently, it was a weird thing. I'm still working out all the details of that. Or I was. <laughs> He tells, uh, uh, he tells the three of them about this ancient legend and that this book is actually known as the Archeum. The Archeum, specifically, is, a di- uh, is basically Arceus's journal. It's a journal written by Arceus, the god of everything. Like, literally, the creator. The journal itself was written by him and is part of many different... Uh, and technically is actually a collection of all of them, so it's the final product. Okay, he then claims that everything in that book is true and that this is a really, really special thing and whatever the hell. They have to get it to uh, Opelucid City. They have to get it to Opelucid City and stuff like that. When they explain why or when they're questioning why, Metagrosson explains that humanity did exist and you guys are going to help to uh, correct this wrong. Humanity did exist, but humanity was wiped out in a single instant. To which they're just like, wait, what? What the fuck do you mean that humanity was wiped out? To which, that's when Darmanitan comes in. They go to Darmanitan, who's been in Zen mode since the incident happened. That incident happened hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago. The uh, the Darmanitan uses psychic abilities and projects uh, his vision of what happened. The vision shows him and a Yamask battling against each other with both of their trainers. As they're fighting, suddenly a blinding light appears. 
the Darmanitan is crying as he mentions uh, that at the time he was just a simple Darumaka. At the time, he was a simple Darumaka fighting against a, uh, some Pokemon with his trainer. And then one day, after the match was over, a blinding light appeared. And he could see three silhouettes shining in... Uh, uh, and he can see three silhouettes shining in this massive hole in the sky as it shined so brightly that he couldn't see. When he finally could uh, uh, focus his vision, his trainer was gone. The Yamas seemed confused as well as their trainer was gone. All that was left was a pile of dust that evaporated into thin air. Of course, when they questioned this, immediately that's when the uh, that's when the lights turn on and reveal hundreds of other Pokemon. All of them, all, all of them having the ability to live lo- much longer than normal. Pokemon like Bronzor, Ghost type Pokemon, and other Pokemon who can use psychic abilities to keep themselves young, or Pokemon who just don't age, like Metagross and Magnezone. All these different Pokemon are all here. Darmanitan has been in Zen mode since that incident. And technically, if he transforms back, he's going to be the same age that he was the last time. This, of course, causes everyone to freak out, as everyone then claims that technically these are the last survivors. We are the survivors of the event. Okay? There were more of us, but all those other Pokemon passed away, or uh, uh, passed away because their lifespans could not contain it. And, of course, we have these statues. And the statues show Pikachu, Garchomp, Haxorus, and many other Pokemon who passed on. They died of old age before this happened. Metagross is then now basically the leader, as he mentions that this is the reason why that they have to help. They are destined. uh, 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 They are destined to help. To which they ask, how do you know about this destiny? To which that's where Gardevoir comes in. She's the one, the fortune teller, the A1 to see into the future. Or maybe we can make it Zatu. I made it as Gardevoir because I like the idea, but whatever. We can make it Zatu. Zatu's the one that saw it. Okay? I didn't want to do Zatu simply because I didn't think that Zatu's lifespan would be justified nearly as long as Gardevoir, but whatever. Gardevoir or Zatu basically is the one who's telling them, yeah, I'm the fortune teller, whatever. Fine, we'll do it. So they decide to go and take it to Opelucid City. They are supposed to meet a specific Pokemon scientist who also is in Opelucid City as well, who believes them and is intending on putting all of this and putting it out there, you know? Basically, there's a Haxorus who lives in Opelucid City. His name is Drayden, and in their world, different Pokemon have the same different names. So, of course, Pangro's name is Benjamin, uh, Bayonet's name is Damien, and, Ch- uh, and Cacturne's name is Chaz. Okay? Or, uh, Chad, sorry. Wait, Chad? Something. Something like that. His name is something. I wanted it to be, like, some kind of surfer dude kind of name. Okay, so it's not Chaz, but it's Chad or Chester or something like that. I don't really know what his name was going to be. But, yeah. That's their whole thing. And of course, they have to go to Opelucid City to find this Drayden because Drayden is intending on publishing a book that's going to completely put all this on blast. Okay? So, of course, they go. They go, they leave. Dusnor and uh, Lucario have no idea that the kids are gone. And of course, they end up finding a letter in Bayonet's room. Both of them believing that the opposite kid went to the opposite person's house. When they find out, they realize, oh my god, the kids left on an adventure. And apparently, they're being followed by Cacturn. So, we gotta go tell uh, Cacturn's dad which basically is a Honchcrow. They go to Honchcrow. Honchcrow is a, a, a boss of a mafia, and there's multiple other boss-like Pokemon that live with him. 
And of course, Cacturn isn't really his son. He was a member of the gang and they did raise him from a Cacnea, but he's not really their son. But fine, we'll come along because the boys must be in some kind of danger or some kind of trouble, whatever, because Dustinor has a bad feeling about it. So they follow. So the, uh, the crew now is Komo'o, an old friend of the gang, who basically is the father of the three Komo'o that are trying to seek revenge because they got their asses kicked by Pangro and Cacturn. And they have Pangro and Bayonet. So Komo'o's father, a thug who just got out of jail. Anyway, Komo'o's father is a, is a Hakumo'o. Wait, I think, I don't know. I forgot which one's that, uh, the final evolution, but whatever. The middle ones are the ones that got their asses kicked. The final evolution is the one that's their dad. Their dad got out of jail, and now he's, you know, he's there trying to help. He finds out that his kids were, uh, that are also part of the uh, uh, X-Attack, as he realizes that he was wrong for being part of the X-Attack. And of course, he decides, fuck it, we gotta go follow the kids. So the crew now, uh, so the story now has two different groups. The kid squad, or technically the teen squad, as well as the parent squad, okay? So the parent squad is literally ha- uh, Hakumo- uh, Komo'o, Dusknor, uh, uh, Komo'o, the Hakumo'o's father, the three of their father, um, Drifflimp, which is Bayonet's aunt, Dr- uh, uh, Dusknor, Bayonet's father, adopted, and of course, um, Honchcrow, Cactern, uh, uh, Cactern's adopted father, mafia boss leader guy, and Detective Lucario, who's a great tracker and a detective. Okay. Uh, and he's Pangaro's father, or adopted father. Okay? So all of them are following the kids, and that's, of course, their whole thing, and they go into this huge adventure. Once they finally get there, or, you know, it's multiple different random shit, like, you know, story, uh, uh, filler episodes and shit. Unfortunately, we are hitting our time, so just hold on for one quick second. Continuing. So, as I originally was saying, uh, sorry, um, I, I, uh, I think I left off at Opelucid City, I think, or something. I know I left off at the world building, uh, not the world building, I know I left off at, um, at, um, uh, what the shit? I know for a fact that I left off at the part where it was them the parents following but i don't know if i left off where we got to Oblucid city or if it was just the beginning but basically all that stuff in between before they get to Oblucid city is basically just a uh, world building um you know filler episodes and stuff like that very steamy universe where every episode has a little bit of something that helps you learn about the world around them and of course it kind of alludes to certain things so that future episodes you know, future audience members will then come back to these episodes later and be like, wait a second, oh my god, that's this, that's this, oh my god, they were, blah, blah. you know, very that. Okay, now this is way past what I already drew. I only drew up to the part within the bar, but this is all the stuff that I intended on writing and putting into that whole thing and making a whole story about it. Okay, because I'm interested in Pokemon, I'm interested in character design, and I'm interested in all this stuff. So yes, so many of the Pokemon, I changed their designs, and I'm also interested in mythology and history and all kinds of shit like that. Plus, <clears throat> uh, Infinity Game or Infinity War and Endgame had already came out, and I really liked the idea of a Thanos snap. So <laughs> I wanted to do that, or I applied it into my story or into that little comic thingy. So 
They're traveling through uh, Diuvena. They're traveling through different towns the same way that the regular trainer in the game is supposed to go. You know, you're traveling to Obelithid City and you're going through Drifrail City first after you pass through Nimbasa. And, you know, the whole thing, you know, they're doing the whole thing. More character development, learning about the world around them and all kinds of stuff like that as well. Finally, they get to uh, whatever town is closest to Dragon Spiral Tower. While they're there, or, you know, or right before they get into Overluthed City, they get into Overluthed City and randomly some Pokemon attacks them. Some thug Pokemon attack them. A Monferno and maybe some others. They, uh, they attack them and they see that they're carrying a book and they're trying to rob them for the book. Out of nowhere, the wall in the alley suddenly starts to glow. A massive ring appear, a massive portal appears as it basically begins sucking the Pokemon in. Bayonet apparently looks into the portal and then he can't see anything on the opposite side, but immediately has this fear and freezes. He's never frozen in his life or of true terror and fear. Bayonet immediately falls to the ground and starts screaming at the top of his lungs, wailing in terror, like a blood-curdling scream of fear at whatever is behind on the other side of that portal. He doesn't know what's on the other side, but it's just the aura that's radiating from that other side that terrifies the shit out of him. He's freaking out as Pangaro then picks him up and they leave. Bayonet then uh, tells them that he's never felt such a power and he doesn't know what Pokemon was behind that uh, uh, on the other side, but he felt as though it was it was impossible. It felt as though he met the greatest Pokemon ever, or not something like it was. Their their sheer aura was way too intense. Something around those lines. They decide that something's really serious. And originally, Pangaro was doing this because he just wanted to get this over with and he was kind of suspicious. Cacturn is very, oh my god, we're saving the world, you know? And Baina is just doing this. He doesn't even know why he's doing it at this point. But as they go on with their adventure and different things are happening, Pangaro's getting a little bit more concerned and starting to believe all this mystical voodoo stuff that's happening. He's starting to believe it, especially after that. They decide to go to find, uh, they, uh, they finally find Drayden, but they're a little bit concerned. What are you gonna do with this book? You know, if this is all real and this is really the book that Arceus wrote, then what are you gonna do with it? Okay, they find Drayden, they talk to him, whatever. They, uh, Drayden explains everything. While they're explaining stuff like that, Cacturn, who's basically a stoner character, doesn't really care very much. And while they're following Drayden and listening to him, Cacturn slips aside and starts going into Drayden's office as he starts reading some of Drayden's notes. In the book, there's lots of different writing, but the writing is mostly in unknown, like the Pokemon unknown. So Cacturn can't read it. None of them can read it, you know, but all the pictures show humans and Pokemon together. You know? So, he can't read it. Cacturn basically finds a deciphering thing that explains how you can read it. When Cacturn realizes it, he immediately is like, oh, I can read it. Oh my god, I can read this. And then he's reading the notes, and then realizing that Drayden has every intention of giving it back to Arceus. Or giving it back, or something. There's a deal. There's a specific email and all this other stuff, or not really an email, but it's an image on his screen of a picture of a letter written in unknown, and it's all talking about how that they they have to use this thing and all this other stuff. Bayonet has a really, uh, Catherine has a really bad feeling about this, and immediately they run away. 
Drayden is attacking them, and they're running away to head back, uh, uh, back to Dragon Spiral Tower. They run to Dragon Spiral Tower as, like, they're so freaked out as they're trying to get there. As they're trying to get there, however, they're running, and of course, suddenly the episode ends, or not really the episode ends, but it ends in another scene. Drayden is seen standing in front of, uh, with a large shadow in front of him. You can't see the shadow, or you can't really see the shape of the shadow. It just gives this weird silhouette, as you know, it's really difficult for you to understand who exactly it is. It looks like a big ring is in the sky, or uh, this big ring is talking to him. Suddenly, uh, 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 suddenly, as the uh, and the ring is moving, like it's constant, it's rotating. You know, immediately the uh, immediately Drayden seems confused, or he's begging the Pokemon in question, saying that he had the book, but he just needs more time. To which suddenly a booming roar appears. The roar yells that uh, that, uh, that he had the book and he let it get away. And that he has reason to believe that the people who have the book now can actively read what it says. Drayden begs for his life as suddenly the Pokemon in question uses drag, uh, uses, uh, uh, what the fuck is it? Um, what move is that? I think it's called Dragon Ascent. I think, I think that move is called Dragon Ascent. I just think. Dragon Ascent, yeah. Yeah, so the move itself is Dragon Ascent. The Pokemon uses Dragon Ascent and kills Drayden on camera. It's Rayquaza, the Pokemon Rayquaza, the Emperor of the Sky. And he's pissed. Bayonet and the others run over to, uh, uh and the others run over to, um, uh, Dragon Spiral Tower. They run to Dragon Spiral Tower and they basically are hiding and whatever. As they're hiding or as they're running, they're running up the stairs trying to get away. Or trying to find a spot to stay because, you know, the bottom of the tower is really, really damaged and destroyed and stuff like that. So they're just running. They're still running. As they're running, suddenly they hear yelling upstairs and they go up one more floor. And when they get there, there they can see two weird Pokemon with three other Pokemon standing in front of them as they're having a weird conversation. Uh, the two, One Pokemon is small with little needles and a big head uh, and he's purple with a small little thin tail and the other pokemon appears to be made out of shadows and darkness he appears to be standing there in a weird fighter uh, fighter's position as he's standing there and both of them look like kids the three other pokemon are all four-legged deer-like pokemon as they're standing there in front of them the first one, uh, the audience then is supposed to gasp and be like, oh, Kabalian! And they're seeing it because it's Kabalian as he's talking. Kabalian then says that uh, you two need to come with us and whatever. And it's basically asking the two of them to, uh, to, uh, to come along with them. Suddenly, the, uh, suddenly Marshadow and Poipole are both there as Marshadow then explains that they are not going with them. Verizian steps forward, trying to uh, console them, saying, You boys are too, uh, both of you are too young to understand what's going on. Okay, I know that things seem very diff uh, different right now. And I know that, 
uh, and I know that the adults aren't really getting along right now, but this has nothing to do with you. Okay, you should be back at the temple. To which uh, uh, Poi Po then, sa- uh, then sets back and then says, "No, Dragonadel, uh, uh, brother Dragonadel said not to trust you." And of course, uh, uh, Marshall steps in front of them as they're trying to protect them. Tarakian yells that they're just children and they don't understand what's going on. To which Cobalion uh, snaps at uh, uh, at uh, Tarakian. This continues to go on until uh, uh, until out of nowhere, uh, Cobalion then claims, "If you won't come with us, then we'll take you by force." Uh, uh, to which Verizian tries to stop Cobalion, but Cobalion jumps in front. He attempts to use Sacred Sword uh, to try knocking uh, them down, but as he attempts to attack, or no, no, he just uses tackle. Sorry, he wouldn't use that. But yeah, he attempts to attack them using tackle. But just before he's able to hit them, Bayonet steps in front of them, and Bayonet blocks the attack, making the attack of no effect. Cabalion is taken aback as suddenly Cacturn uses Energy Ball and hits him. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, 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 Cacturn uses Energy Ball and uh, makes him dodge, to which it's Pangro who makes the actual hit using Fire Punch. Cabalion is now hurt and backs up. That didn't near. Uh, that didn't really do much to a legendary, but still, it did surprise him. As suddenly, Pactor and Bayonet and Pangora are now defending these two, claiming uh, and yelling at them to leave these kids alone. Cabalion asks, "Do you know who you're threatening?" And of course, they ca- uh, they say, "Yeah." So why is it that? Uh, uh, and I expect that these kids know who they're talking to. We, uh, I know these kids know who you are, and I know, and we know who you are. So why would these kids not want to go with you? To which, Verizian then looks down and says, Look, this is, you boys don't understand what you're doing. And of course, before they even have an option, they of course are about to fight. What's up? Yay. They're about to fight. That's when, of course, another Pokemon enters the battlefield. It jumps in front of both of them, separating the Swords of Justice and the other Pokemon, and uses Technoblast. It uses Technoblast as suddenly another Pokemon appears and double kicks uh, uh, and double kicks uh, Verizian down. Terrakian is then put to sleep using Sing, and of course, uh, uh, and of course, um, the attack also affects Pain at Pangaro and Cacturn as they all pass out. They then wake up to voices, and turns out they're part of a secret base, uh, or they're uh, uh, they're locked away in a secret base, as a bunch of mythical Pokemon are debating on what they should do. Okay. They end up finding out about. Uh, they end up being recruited because of their actions and stuff like that. Plus, you know, the vouching of other Pokemon and stuff like that. Plus the fact that they have the book. They have the book, which is another reason of why um, they also did this. When Bane and the others explain why they have the book and explain what they were doing in that place in the first place, that's of course when they get Mew to justify. Uh, not Mew, but Mew, Mew vouches for them. Mew vouches for them, and of course, they're able to keep their memories, and they're able to stay and be members of their team. And what team is that? The Mythical Minds. The Mythical Minds are all the mythical Pokemon, plus a few other Pokemon that are closely associated with the mythical Pokemon, and all of these Pokemon are all together as one single team, all against Arceus. Except Arceus. Arceus is not part of the team. They are all Pokemon who believe that, uh, uh, that Arceus was wrong for, dis- uh, for making humanity disappear. Of course, they understand and they remember what humanity was like. Of course, that's uh, that's season two. <laughs> season two begins at that moment. 
you know, they explain who they are, and that, uh, when Urbana asks, why are you, why are you, wait, so what is the point of your team? And then they say, to avenge humanity from Arceus. Uh, to avenge uh, humanity by forcing Arceus to bring them back, or making Arceus pay. To which, that's, boom, end of season one. Episode, uh, season two begins and stuff. And basically, you know, that's that's that. You know, it's a random fucking AU that I created off of random fucking ideas and all kinds of random shit like that of stuff I like. I'm interested in Pokemon, I'm interested in storytelling, and I'm interested in all this stuff. I changed up the story so much that I guarantee you people would adore the concept. And personally, I, I, I have even thought about changing up the idea so much or changing everything so much to make it this whole other thing. But at the same time, though... No, I can't really do it. I'm sorry. I can't really make it into the same. I can't do the same thing that that other artist did by changing up the characters and changing Tom Nook and Red into two completely other different characters. I can't do it. The reason, of course, is because I need the humans and I need the Pokemon. Okay, because the law, the laws of Pokemon's rules of the world, it still applies. So I need them, and I can't change it. I would so love to be able to make an actual comic and actually have Pokemon be okay with it and stuff like that and maybe make my own series and stuff, but eh, whatever. It was mainly just for fun, to be completely honest. It was a very fun idea. Okay, it was a very, very fun idea. And I will continue in another bit. I will continue on with everything else I had in plan, but not right now, okay? We're gonna keep moving. Okay, you're lucky you even got that. Um, I already mentioned that in a different episode, I think, but I just didn't go into that much detail or I didn't breeze through it that fast. I don't even think I went into that. I don't even think I got that far. But yeah, like I said, that's of course, you know, the thing. So the audience, of course, is supposed to be amazed at this kind of stuff because I put all the stuff that I'm interested in. In Tales of Crimson War, I'm interested in fashion. A lot of my characters have very different fashion than you would expect from regular stuff. And, oh, sorry. And a lot of my characters have fashion based off the uh, the, the society, country, and uh, uh, position that they're in, you know? I have Queen Elizabeth, who's wearing actual clothing that would make sense for her era and her location and her position as the queen. And then we also have Julian, another character, and Bane, and Chaz, and many other characters. All these characters wearing clothing based off of whatever country that they're from and based off their position or their status. That, uh, okay, so of course, many different things like that. I'm interested in Dungeons & Dragons. While I've never actually physically played any of the games or stuff like that or actually played my own round of Dungeons & Dragons and stuff, because I don't really like the game itself. I like the concept, and I like the fandom. Okay, I'm technically part of certain fandoms, even though I've never actually watched or played or been actually invested in the thing. Like, I'm... Ac- I, uh, what was it? I, I can't think of any fandoms that I'm like into, but I'm not into, you know? Hmm. Oh, I was into Demon Slayer. I was into the Demon Slayer fandom for a while, but I was never actively... Um, I was never actually a member, or I never actually watched the Demon Slayer fan, uh, thing. That and My Hero Academia, both of them I never actually watched at the time, but I was so, I was already interested in the fandom because their art was amazing and character designs and all this other stuff. So I got hooked solely because of the fandom. The fandom made me join, you know? And that's how I like joining my anime. I like joining it because the fandom makes me join. Okay, I joined Overlord because of that. 
And I love Overlord just for that, you know? I love the idea of Overlord's plot, so I applied it into my own story. I love the idea of all this kind of stuff and applied it into my own story. You know, historical events? There's lots of historical events that happened in my story, you know? Um, uh, fighting, Dungeons and Dragons kind of stuff, war, character design, Avatar Last Airbender, all this different stuff. I added all this different stuff into it. And personally, honestly, I really should make a collage of my story. I think that that should be an art trend that certain artists should do. Okay? What I mean by that... I, what I mean by doing a collage or that little art trend is... Let's say that you're using Procreate or whatever app that you use. If you're creating digital art or just any art in general. Take images of the title or whatever of every single thing that you applied into your story. So I would add the, you know, the title thing, the title font of Avatar Last Airbender. You know how the, uh, every show has its specific way of writing its thing and stuff? Like, we know the Steam Universe font, you know? I would have the image, the thing, the image of Steam Universe or its poster or whatever, and I'll put it on a, pay, uh, on a Procreate image. Then I put uh, this show, Avatar, Korra, this, 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 all this stuff. And I would then apply it all together in this one single collage thingy. And then I'll erase the layer and show the image for my story or my characters or whatever the fuck. Some poster of my own story. So it shows, or maybe the other way around, the poster and then I erase it and reveal all this other stuff underneath it. So my show or my story is created or made of all these other little things, you know? Or if you get, if you put all these things together and put it in a pot and then boil it, bam, you get my uh, my story, you know? I think that would be a very nice art trend for certain artists. I think that would be very fun and interesting. But yeah, try to do it if you want. <laughs> try to do it if you want. Um, yeah, I think it would be very cute. But moving on. Um, you know, there's different things like that. Making AUs about random things like that that could also be really, really interesting. You can totally make it... For example, Dungeons & Dragons... Uh, not Dungeons... Game of Thrones? That's an AU. I could say that... I would. I could honestly say that, Dente, uh, that Game of Thrones is an AU off, based off of that royal family. So somebody really could say, Oh, what if this royal family had a fantasy dragon adventure stuff like that? What would that make? Boom. Uh, let's say the family is called the, the Lyran family or whatever the fuck. I don't know. Uh, the Lyran family. Lyran family AU. We call it Game of Thrones. You know, it's very that. You know? What if... Uh, what if... Uh, uh, Shakespeare had a sister. Virginia Woolf's book story. Or whatever. You know? AU. You know? <laughs> so very that. I really like AUs. And in many cases, sometimes I like the AU as much or even sometimes more than I like the show itself. One AU that I've mentioned before was uh, an AU created by an artist known as Chebov. She is the creator of the uh, the White Diamond Steven Universe AU. That AU, oh my god, I'm ad I adore it. I love it. It's so fascinating. It's so fucking interesting. You know, it's truly an interesting idea that I just I adore. You know, I love their fashion, and they have good fashion style. I really like their characters. <laughs> they really have good fashion, girl. She knows how to write. Uh, she knows how to design a character. Okay, I just like the designs. They're really interesting. She's not changing the designs, but I really like her fashion that she's putting on the characters. Okay, it's it's fashion. 
it's just fashion, okay? It's fashion. So, um, that was a peppermint reference. So, moving on. I really like her art and stuff like that. And I really liked her um, comic and her storytelling and all this other stuff. So, of course, that's an AU that I really like. And honestly, I would so... If she ever decided to make anything original, original... Like, that's, that, that might sound like a read, but I'm not, I don't mean that as a read. Um, if she were to make anything, like, completely scratch... Like, she's making her own characters, her own everything, completely off the top of her head. Okay? Not a Steven Universe AU, but literally just completely hers. I would fucking read that to the day I die. Like, I would read the fuck out of it. I would watch it, buy it, cosplay it, eat it up. I would. Like, oh my god. I would adore that. Okay? Because, bitch... You created this story and have all this other stuff. You have a good record, okay? You, your credit is good. So I know for a fact, whatever you're about to make, I'm about to check it out, okay? So it's very the same as how I felt with Rebecca Sugar when she was done with Steven Universe and she was going to move, quote, move on to new things. Bitch, okay, take all the time that you need. But just know, when you're back, I'll be the first person in line ready to watch whatever the fuck you got to make. Because you made Steven Universe. And I, I, bitch... You made Steven Universe. Are you fucking kidding me? Fuck yeah. If you want to make something brand new, fuck yes. I will so be there, ready to eat it up and adore it and cry over it. I know you're going to make me cry. I know you're going to make me cry, regardless of whatever you're going to make. You can swear that you're... I'm not going to do that anymore. Lie again. You're going to make us cry. <laughs> you, Rebecca Checker is known for making, cry, uh, for making us cry. The bitch invented crying or invented emotional damage. Okay, she fucking um trademark that shit that's what it is she trademarked emotional damage <laughs> to her audience so it's very that okay i wanted to watch uh, i literally watched um uh, gra- uh gravity Fo- not gravity falls i literally got interested in craig of the creek mainly because i knew of the two people who worked on steven universe both of them working on steven universe i said fuck it i'm gonna check it out you know that's what got me into it Okay, that's what made me get the. Uh, that's what made me check it out in the first place. Had I just known, had I just watched the first episode on whatever, or had I seen the commercials for it, I never would have watched it. Never, not really. Seeing the commercials, I never would have really gone out of my way to watch it. But it's their name, their good credit, that made me get interested and decided to watch episode one and two and three and whatever. And then it was everything that was actually in the show that made me go, oh my fuck, I love this. And this is exactly how I felt with uh, OKKO. OK Ian Jones Cordy made it, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you made Steam Universe, so fine. Let me see. Check it out. Oh my god, I love it. I'm here for it. I love KO. KO is my favorite. You know, so yes. Back to my whole thing. Uh, you know, AUs and stuff like that. So if you can't make something completely from scratch, then it might help to come up with an AU for one of your favorite stories or your favorite shows or something like that. And then base your world off of that story, story, base your world off of that story or that world, you know, use that world as a reference, you know, if you like Ruby, R-W-B-Y, then you can easily use Ruby as a reference. You could easily use it as a reference to, uh, to take a little bit of inspiration from that show and apply it into your own thing. You know, this show is what made you. Um, want to become a writer or whatever the hell. Or, uh, in a lot of cases, in most cases, 
um, some, or not really most cases, but in a lot of cases, certain people will create OCs for other shows. I've never done that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've never done that. So I've known an artist, uh, uh, I think I mentioned this before, their name was Aspirin Soldier or Aspiring Soldier, whatever the hell. I think they're still on Twitter and Tumblr. I don't really know about Tumblr, but yeah. This person was known for making an OC that was based off a link from The Legend of Zelda, specifically Breath of the Wild, okay? They made their own OC, and I think they're actually making their own story thingy related to their character and doing stuff only of that character and other stuff like that. Which, again, I thought was like, oh my god, that's great. But that's how most artists, or not most, but that's how a lot of OC artists do it. They create an OC for a specific show, and then they roll with it. You know? Like, oh, this OC was originally created for Craig of the Creek. Now I'm gonna roll with it and have this show, or not really have this show, but, you know, I originally created this character for, uh, for Craig of the Creek. Now, I'm gonna make my own story for this character. So this character has his own world to live in. That's outside of the Craig of the Creek world. You know? And that's how a lot of people create OCs and stuff. I never did it that way. All of my characters I specifically created for this reason. Yes, they were based off of other characters and stuff, and they did take inspiration from other characters, but none of them were specifically created to fit into their world. They were all made specifically to fit in my world, and they were born in my world. While other people have artists or have their characters born in Star Wars The Forces of Evil or, um, I don't know, Adventure Time or other random stuff like that, you know? They have an OC that's specifically designed or was originally intended to be born in this universe. And then they decide, fuck it, look, I'm gonna make my own thing for you. So come on, let's move. You know? And that's not bad. Please note. I know I probably sounded like I was shitting on it. No, that's not a bad thing at all. That's really not. You know, I think it's actually creative. I think it's very, very creative to be able to have a character and understand, uh, just to be able to create a character in general that could fit into their world. I think it's very creative and fun. I just don't do it because I always wanted to create my own story and, you know, mm, I like the characters. I don't really like the idea of changing other people's stories. I like changing it by making my own thing rather than changing it someone else's. And that sounds like a read, but please, no, I mean no disrespect. Okay, I know that a lot of people really like their OCs, and please, don't, let's not try shitting on people for how they create it. Oh, you created OC? For a specific TV show, like, that character's ever gonna be able to... Bitch, shut up. Shut up. If I want to create an OC based off of Zuko in Avatar The Last Airbender or something like that, if I want to create a, a character for Avatar The Last Airbender, let me do it, okay? Let me live my life. It's my fucking character. It's whatever. Okay, fine. Fuck you. Kiss my ass. It's my thing. Okay? Jeez. So, please, you're not a better artist or you're not a worse artist if you create your character specifically for your own world and did not create them uh, for a specific show. And uh, and vice versa, if you did create your character for a specific show and whatever, you know? So, yeah, please, don't do that. No, don't do that. (laughs) Like, please don't judge other people for that shit, okay? Because, oh my god, that's so cringy. So, moving on. Um, like, yeah, like I said, real life inspiration and other random things like that. And then there's also other things you can also take into account, not just, um, real life things like actual tangible grabbing things, but you can also take it off of concepts. Okay. Pixar practically takes the idea of making a story off a concept 
literally. <laughs> like, literally every Pixar movie is a concept. Okay, so, while, uh, for example, with Steven Universe and other shows like that, you're taking things and making them into a TV show. You know, you're taking the life of a zebra or something, and you're turning it into this whole show about this thing, you know? And it's interesting, it's good. But it doesn't change the fact that you don't have to do that all the time. In other shows, specifically like, um, let's imagine um, pick any Pixar movie really, just pick any one that you want. All of these movies are based off of a concept. The idea of what if this thing, this random concept had emotions and had its own life? What, would, what story could we tell with that? And with that in mind, bam! We get this amazing ability to create all these random different stories and all this other stuff like that. Okay? What if cars had minds? What would the life of a race car be? If it could tell its own story, what would it be? You know? That's how we got cars. What would happen if we could tell a story of a bug, an insect, an ant? What would that be? A fish, a monster in a closet, um, you know, all kinds of random stuff, a toy all kinds of random objects and stuff like that and that's of course why i love pixar movies i personally love their movies simply because they're such interesting ideas and they're wild and they're done in such interesting ways it's like oh my god each movie is its own world like each movie is its own world that i would love to dive into cars oh my god like oh my god even though it's not nearly my favorite i still find it fa fascinating you know, I love every concept of it. Okay, because really, the idea of making a movie about a rat. Yeah, fine. I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. That's been done, probably. And yeah, I can see it. But making it about a rat who wants to be a chef in Paris, especially with the reputation that rats... That's genius. Especially with how they did it. And how they... Re everything worked out. Oh my god. Who made this? Who came up with this? I need to, like, hug you. That is so clever. That is unbelievably cre uh, clever. You're writing a movie about a car, a race car, who dreams of uh, becoming the first rookie to do this and this whole thing. And he's learning a lesson about slowing down and enjoying life for a minute and realizing that life is more than just a stupid race. Oh, my God. That's genius, because technically, as this car, it only has one job. You know... <laughs> But it's just genius. It's all these different kinds of movies that it's like, oh my god, this is fucking genius. And that's, of course, concept ideas. So if you're going to create another, if you're creating a story, for example, maybe you can make something off a concept. The idea of what would this be like, you know? Hell, technically, there's a certain ideas of like, okay, what? <laughs> Personally, I don't know anything about the certain character, the brave little toaster. I don't know anything about that show or that movie. But I am aware that that actually is its own little movie about a talking toaster and its own dreams and adventures and stuff. So yeah, fine, whatever. I don't know. I would, off a, off a guess, I would guess that that movie is based off of a concept. Somebody asked, what if a toaster had dreams? What if a toaster had dreams someday and said, well, I'm gonna touch the moon or something. I don't know. <laughs> like somebody asked that question and then they created this movie off of it, you know? So I would say that those are concepts. Make a, you know, just ask a random concept, this random idea of like, hmm, what would that be like? You know, what would this be like? What would this be like? You know, hell, one concept I had was 
what if, uh, my, well, technically that was more of AU, but one concept that I had was, and this is not even mine, I'm pretty sure hundreds of other people have made this, I've seen comments on uh, YouTube videos specifically, but my concept was, what about a Pokemon documentary? Like an actual documentary documentary, 3D models and everything, not in real, maybe you can do real places and stuff like that, like real actual video and you're replacing every... Uh, and you're replacing the zebras with Substrika and stuff like that. But do a real documentary. Personally, though, I would think it would probably make a little bit more sense if you did this documentary about, like, 3D models and stuff like that. Or just IRL stuff. Very Pokemon Go commercials. Because I love the Pokemon Go commercials. Every time that I see the Pokemon Go commercials, it always reminded me of the idea of what if they made a commercial for a documentary? have David Attenborough actually doing a documentary about this. It's obviously a Pokemon one, so it's fake, but a lot of this stuff is based off of real stuff. Like, real stuff. And it's based off the Pokemon accuracy of that Pokemon as well. So here we have, you know, uh, a Zipstriker movement. All these Zipstriker are traveling across river, but this river is really, really muddy. Like, this river has so much dirt and sediment and all kinds of stuff that certain ground-type Pokemon are even found to be in this river. Because in Pokemon Arceus, apparently Hippolyton and Hippopotas are in murky water. So I thought, to, I saw it and I was like, okay, so a ground type Pokemon will be in water, but only if it's really muddy and murky. So yeah, imagine that. A whole herd of Zipstrika trying to cross the river and whatever. And then, hmm? Oh, yeah, I guess, yes. Anyway, so, um, sorry, I, I, had to get a, I had to go do something for a quick second. So, as I said, um, with the documentary thingy, um, the whole concept, or not really the whole concept, but the whole idea could really work, you know? A whole herd of Zipstrika traveling across this river, and they're being attacked by Crocodile and Crocorock. You know, they're being attacked by them, and they're trying to cross the river and all this other stuff. Personally, I would so, like, I've done this kind of thought, and... I've had these kind of daydreams before where I've thought about, oh, wow, what if they actually did do a documentary and stuff like that? You know, the documentary of these different kinds of Pokemon. One Pokemon that I would love to see a documentary about would be about Ariados. You know, Ariados, you know, hunting down a Baneri or something like that, and it actually leaves the, it lets the Baneri go, and the audience is watching. You know, certain Pokemon fans who don't really know much about Pokemon, I can totally see it, you know? I can totally see the episode starting off with, like, David Attenborough explaining that this is just a fake. Or not a fake, but it's not a real documentary. But it is a real documentary, kinda. And many of these tactics that these Pokemon are doing are actually, or the many of these things that these Pokemon are doing are based off of real things. But, try to, uh, but all of this stuff is based off of what these Pokemon do, not real animals. Though there are many similarities because these things are based off of animals, duh. So then the Aureos happens. I can already imagine that some character, uh, some parents are watching with their kids. You know, their pa- uh, some parents are sitting down watching this weird documentary thingy about Pokemon with their kids, and they're watching the Ariados catch a Baneri, and they're like, "Oh no, the Baneri's dead!" But then the Ariados releases the Baneri, and the Baneri runs home. Then the Ariados slowly follows. A th- uh, uh, then night falls, and David Attenborough is explaining that the Ariados set a specific thread on the Baneri. And that now the night is here, it will follow that thread 
to Benary, to wherever Benary is, to get its meal, and Benary's friends that Benary is sleeping with. Then it shows this horrific, dark, evil scene where uh, the Aredos finally catches up to them and sees three other Benary nearby, the one that he originally captured. And then he paralyzes them all. And no more Benary. I can totally see that. I can totally see that. I can also see a, uh, another thing where it's, you know, um... Should I that's leave a, it like that? Hmm? Or should I just keep it like that? Like that. Why would you leave it the other way? Because it looks cool. I don't like it like that. It just looks filled. It looks like a little robot. Yeah. Look, that's the mouth, and then you can put, like, eyes. Okay. It's been done. Mm. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I can totally see different random things like that. When I was, I had this one time, when I was doing a daydreaming thingy about the Zepstrika, I had this idea of, like, what about Zepstrika and Pyroar? You know, like, I can totally see it as, like, you can totally do a whole documentary about this. Like, it's, you can do it. It's a great idea. You can easily be able to do this, you know? Especially with newer Pokemon like Basku Legion and other Pokemon like that. I can totally see a Salmon run, but it's just Basku Legion and Basculin, you know? Or, um, you know, because when I, I did a thing where I was like randomly thinking, uh, daydreaming and even talking out loud, creating my own little documentary and stuff like that. In mine, I talked about how the Mightyena would be hyenas, randomly harassing the Pyroar. And the Pyroar would have to travel... Mm. And that, um, that Zepstrika would usually stay uh, in their herds and stuff like that, and at night they'll flash their lights to try uh, uh, alerting everyone that there's a Pyroar nearby, or whatever. And the Pyroar would try to not use fire-type attacks at night, because if it does, its mane will light up and give away its position. You know, there's a striker being attacked by Crocodile and all these other kinds of Pokemon and stuff like that. And Girafferig doesn't need to worry about having a long neck. It can use psychic abilities to grab the fruit off the tree and bring it to itself. You know, all kinds of random crap. I just, it was all kinds of stuff that I was, was like, oh my god. This could so be a good thing. And all of that was mainly based on the Savannah. So, it can so totally be a good concept. You know, this, that's not really an AU, that's a concept. AU would just be doing the exact same world and changing things. But in our concept is this idea of what if, or not really a what if, but you know, kind of a what if, but more of a what if creative what if, if that makes sense. You know, that's a whole thing that I would so be like, oh my God, that's so cute. And it's like, oh my God, lots of people I think would enjoy that. You know, I think a lot of people would really enjoy that. My one thing though, is that some people would probably be like, oh, and they should have a little clip at the end of the episode which explains the the realities and things. Like, oh my god, the Pyroar did this because they're based off of this and stuff. And I would be like, no, nah, this is all Pokemon. <laughs> like, no, you want to learn about the animals that they're based off of, go watch documentaries and stuff. This is just Pokemon. There's a million documentaries that you can watch about lions and tigers and bears and all that stuff. Oh my. But you can literally have a million different documentaries we're not about to waste time or take time out of our documentary time to put or specifically have different things about the pokemon that uh, the animals that these pokemon are based off of that's just a waste of time it's a waste of the uh, uh, it's a waste of video time 
So yeah, unfortunately we are hitting our time and that is the end. Now I don't know about the end of today's episode, this might be a short episode, but yeah. That's just, you know, multiple different things. But yeah, try to take concepts and ideas from the world around you. listening to today's episode um i don't okay it's been a couple of days since the last bit and i honestly can't remember if there was another bit that i was supposed to do if i forget it i'll probably remember it later and probably mention it again and stuff like that but yeah thank you so much for listening and see you guys next time in the next episode okay also don't forget to keep writing okay